Welcome to the Invictus Church Podcast. We're grateful that you've chosen to listen, and we want to invite you to join us each week as we upload new content. Our prayer each week is that those who listen in would not just be stirred or inspired, but also changed. Now, get ready for life change with this week's message from Invictus Church. So welcome to week number three of of a a dislike button. Today we're talking about manipulative people. Next week we're going to talk about another one of my favorite subjects, hypocritical people. So I'm going to be talking a lot about myself uh, and probably you too, because all of us uh, tend to be hypocrites from time to time, right? Uh, But today we're talking about manipulative people. How many of you have somebody in your life who, if they could would control you. Raise both hands. Raise both hands. Just seeing if I still have control. Um, that feels good. It feels good. I mean, we, we uh, uh, always can relate to what it's like to have manipulative people in our lives. Uh, in the Bible, we see over and over and over manipulation, especially uh, in the Old Testament. Man, we see it a lot. Uh, Jacob manipulated Esau. Uh, there were women in the New Testament who manipulated King Herod. And uh, uh, Delilah, back in the Old Testament, she manipulated Samson and Satan even manipulated Eve. And so we're going to look today at Genesis chapter 3 and uh, uh, look a little bit at this whole manipulative scenario that uh, Satan thrust upon Eve in the Garden of Eden. So let's jump there. Uh, Genesis 3, 1 through 7. We're not going to read all seven verses, but uh, a few parts of it here. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really save you, or really say to you that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. In this story, Satan's like, hey, yeah, you know, hey, didn't God tell you not to eat any of these uh, fruits and and Eve said, well, he told us we could have anything we want except for that one tree. Oh, well, you know what he's doing, don't you? He's just, he knows that if you eat that, you're going to be like him. And he doesn't want anybody to be like him. He's kind of a jerk. And uh, man, you should totally take that fruit because then, then you'll be like God. Who doesn't want to be like God, right? And uh, have all that power, all that control, and be in charge. And so she took the fruit and she ate it. She fell for his manipulation. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down a few things today. Manipulator's greatest weapons, all right? Uh, If you've ever known a manipulator or if you have ever been manipulative, you have either been on the receiving end or the giving end of these weapons. And uh, the first weapon I want to talk about is flattery. Flattery. That's uh, one of the manipulator's greatest weapons. Um, uh, you can typically identify this person because they have a brown nose. You know, brown nosers. They're, they're always telling people how good they are and how, oh, you're really nice and you're really smart with computers. Do you think you could come fix mine? Right? They, they start with the uh, kissing up and then they end with, and here's how you can help me. 
you're really, really good at X, Y, Z. Could you come help us with that? Could you come do that for me? And, uh, um, uh, you know, when it's two weeks after Thanksgiving and you've gained 14 pounds, they look at you and they're the ones like, you look like you've lost some weight. How are you? And you're like, I know you're lying. What's coming next? What are you going to tell me? Oh, you're looking really good. Yeah, I've gained 14 pounds. You're crazy. And uh, so, you know, you see the manipulative people in your life who like to use flattery. Proverbs 29.5 says this, to flatter friends is to lay a trap for their feet. To flatter friends is to lay a trap for their feet. That's not really very friendly, is it? Laying traps for people, snap, gotcha, now do what I want you to do. The second great weapon of manipulators is not just flattery, but threats. They love to use threats. If you want to work here, then you will do blah, da, 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 da. If you don't do this, I'm leaving you. If you don't tell me, I'm hanging up, which is just not therapeutic anymore. Anybody remember back when you used to slam the phone down and it actually did something? Like it made this horrible noise, bing, the bells ring, and you're like, oh, that's awesome. If you're young, you have no idea what you're talking, what I'm talking about now, but hanging up on somebody today, I'm going to hang up on you. <laughs> it's so boring. Come on, man. If you slam this down, you better have Apple Care or some kind of insurance on it to replace it because it's going to cost you 800 bucks. And uh, uh, so, man, I, I'm going to hang up on you if, if you don't tell me what I want to know. If you don't say what I want to say, uh, what, you don't, what I want you to say, I'm going to hang up the phone. If you don't pay more attention to me, I'm going to take you out of my will. If you don't do this, you're not getting any of that. We all know people in our lives who have used those kinds of threats against us. But when you think about it, and you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 5, and you think about characteristics of love, manipulation is actually kind of the opposite of love. Let's look at what uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5 says. Love cares more for others than for self. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. And yet a manipulative person who is using threats is violating all of those characteristics of love. Guilt, that's the third great tool, the third great weapon of the manipulator is guilt. If you love me, you do what I ask. After all I've done for you, you won't do this one thing for me. Or they give you the silent treatment. I'm not talking to you right now. My response to that is generally, <laughs> right on. That feels good. I thought we were close, but obviously I can't count on you. If you don't do this, you're not a very good Christian. If you don't meet my needs, I'll find another way to get them met. They use guilt to try to make you feel bad they're manipulative romans 8 1 says so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to christ jesus if you're a follower of christ you are no longer condemned by your sin you have been forgiven by jesus so who in the world has a right to condemn you anyway who cares if they condemn you, if they're trying to make you feel guilty? It doesn't matter because in Christ there is no condemnation. 
The picture I want you to walk away with today is this. Manipulation is a prison. Manipulation is a prison for both the person on the receiving end and on the giving end. And I'll show you how. And we've got to learn how to break free. First, let's talk to those of you here today who have been on the receiving end of manipulation. You've got manipulators in your life, and you need to break free from manipulators. And then in a moment, I'm going to talk to those of us who struggle with manipulating people. I know I do sometimes, and I have to self-correct, have to stop and go, oh, man, i got to be better than this. Uh, people around me deserve me, the, the loving treatment, not the using treatment. I've got to love people. So let's start by talking to me how, about how do we break free from manipulators. Well, number one, you recognize when someone is trying to control you. Write that down. You recognize when someone is trying to control you. Now, that's easy to say, and it's not always easy to do. Sometimes it's hard to know when somebody's trying to control you. It's like, oh, man, I'm... I feel like maybe there are, but I'm not really sure. Well, here's, here's some ways you can kind of sniff this out, all right? Um, their tactics might seem like they have good intentions, but sometimes they're hard to recognize. Matthew 16, 21 through 22, gives a good example of when somebody means well and they kind of accidentally start to manipulate uh, versus those times in your life where there's somebody that's, that's trying to do it on purpose. Now, either way, it's manipulation, whether it's on accident or on purpose, but you got to learn to recognize it. Let's look here at Matthew chapter 16, 21 through 22. Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and that he must be killed on, and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Now you're like, well, it doesn't sound so bad. Peter's just like, dude, I'm not going to let you die. But Jesus, we see in a moment, recognized this for what it was. Peter was beginning to manipulate him. What, what was the first thing that he did? He took him aside. Hey, let me, let me tell you something, Jesus. You see, one of the things that happens with a manipulator, sometimes they use a crowd, and sometimes they know a crowd is not going to help them. If a crowd's not going to help them, then they'll take you aside and say, i got to tell you this, this is in your best interest. Hey, did you know... They whisper in your ears like they're trying to help you out. Jesus, let me help you out here. I'm Peter. I know you're God and everything, but I'm going to help you out. This isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. They often are afraid of the crowds because if there's enough people that hear the manipulation going on, somebody there is bound to recognize that there's manipulation going on and maybe say something about it. And so you take them aside, you do this quiet thing, like, hey, 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 let me try to manipulate. Now, sometimes people use the crowd. They try to get the crowd riled up. They go around, and they start asking for opinions. And then they show up and say, well, I've asked everybody, and everybody says. Either way, they tend to come to you alone or with just a few people. Hey, this is what's in your best interest. But the truth is, they're really saying, this is what's in our best interest. I'm looking out for me. I want what I want. <laughs> I'll never forget when this happened. I, uh, uh, as a, at a previous church, um, we uh, were transitioning and growing and lots of things were changing. And there were a handful of people that didn't like the change. 
uh, or some of our changes. And uh, I was out of town. I was at a funeral uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and um, I got a call saying that a handful of people had met in the lobby during the service to basically compile their gripes, and one of them was going to be coming to see me the next day when I returned to work. I was like, oh, that's exciting. Maybe I'll just stay in Baton Rouge. <laughs> Nobody wants to go home to that. And uh, sure enough, there's basically a church petition. We want you to change this, 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 and this. And if you don't, we're going to take our money and leave. I said, take your money. I'll tell you why here in just a minute. That's our next point, but I don't want to get ahead. How do you know when you're being manipulated. Here are some things you can write down to begin to spot it. When you can't say no to a certain person, if there's somebody in your life and you just can't say no to that person, it's likely you are allowing yourself to be manipulated by them. When you always feel guilty around somebody, you just almost can't seem to have fun anymore because you never feel like you're doing enough to satisfy them. Or they're those people that make you feel guilty because they demand exclusive loyalty. Well, why did you hang out with so-and-so instead of with me? Because uh, they're not being a whiny jerk, right? I mean, really, I can't have more than one friend? Who made you the friend police? you got to learn to spot it. What about this? When you compromise your values to please someone else. This happens all the time sexually in our culture. People are like, oh, I'm going to keep my body to myself and protect myself from the guilt and the shame and the feelings of, of awfulness the morning after and stuff like that. And then the, the, the person on the other end who's really trying to push the situation will manipulate. If you love me, You'll do. How can we have a real relationship if we don't progress physically? There's a Greek word that is my response to all that. Shut up! <laughs> Come on, recognize when we're being manipulated. If you feel ultimately responsible for how someone else feels, you're being manipulated by that person. Because you just, you live your life in fear, 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 fear. I'm afraid I'm going to let them down. I'm afraid I will offend them. I'm afraid I will displease them, that this person's going to get angry or upset. I'm afraid that I'm going to get corrected by this person if I don't do it just right. <coughs> to break free from manipulators, we've got to recognize when someone is trying to control us. And then we've got to do the second step. The second step is this. You've got to say, this is not going to work on me. This isn't going to work on me. This is not going to work. Matthew 16, 21 through 23, Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Jesus said to Peter when he's like, hey, hey, Jesus, I've got some news for you. Let me fill you in. Peter said, this is, or Jesus said, this isn't going to work on me, Peter. So everybody practice that. I want everybody to say together, this isn't 
going to work on me. Would you just say that? This isn't going to work on me. We've got to learn to say that. And then you follow up by calling them Satan. I'm just kidding. You probably don't want to say do that. Jesus was speaking metaphorically here. He wasn't really saying Peter is Satan. Uh, that, that's probably not a great friendship tip. But you do want to say, hey, this is not going to work on me. That family uh, that, that came to me with the, their list of demands at the, that last church, we're, we're going to take our money and leave. If you don't do what we want, there are other churches that would love to have us and these other families tithing to their church. And I said, go ahead. You know why I said, go ahead? Because I was not going to be manipulated. You don't get to control my life. I'm sorry. Now, if I was wrong, I'd have evaluated that. But we weren't doing anything that was sinful. We weren't doing anything that was morally objectionable. It was just changes in the church that people didn't always like. Anybody here hate change? Me too. I mean, there's changes going on here in our building. We've changed some of our lighting. We've changed carpet. We've changing uh, things around here. And get used to it because anything that grows changes. You ever notice that? You have a puppy, and within two weeks, it's changed a lot. You don't throw out the dog. You changed. You take your newborn kid, you don't look like a newborn anymore. You're three weeks old. You're smiling. I'm getting rid of you and getting another (laughs) little loose floppy kid that can't respond. Right? Change is a part of life. When you stop changing, you know what happens to your body? You're dead, and then it continues to change after you're dead. It decays. (laughs) When we stop changing, we stop. And yet... There's people that just resist it like the plague, man. We can't change. We can't change. We can't change. And so they try to manipulate to keep progress from happening, to keep the church from moving forward. And I was not going to stand for it. And when he said, you know, we give a lot to this church and all of this kind of stuff, I said, first of all, the Lord is our provider, not you. And if you think you're the provider of this church, then you leaving is actually growth by subtraction. It ended well, believe it or not. He stopped and on the spot said, you know, you're right. He repented and he changed. Now, not everybody did. There were other people in that group that had met with him in the lobby that acted all snooty while I was on vacation and or not on vacation while I was at a funeral out of town. And uh, many of them did leave and that was okay. Our church entered a new season after that where suddenly God blew the doors off great things began to happen in our church. Sometimes the Lord prunes us, and pruning is good for plants. But anyway, everybody say it again. This isn't going to work on me. That's good practice. That is really good practice. Now, another great sentence to practice is this. It's a complete sentence, and it's one word. No. That's a great one for us to practice. When somebody's trying to manipulate you, the simple answer is no. 
I'm sorry. No. All by itself. Those are hard words for us to speak, but good for us. I want this to sink in, all right? If someone else has control of your life, you are committing the sin of idolatry. You might want to let that one really process for a minute. Write that down. Chew on that. If you're letting somebody else control your life, you're committing the sin of idolatry. That's because you're allowing that person to sit in the throne of your life and to be in control and be the boss, be the Lord of your life. How many lords can you have? One. Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And if he is not the Lord of your life, you're letting somebody else control you instead of letting Christ control you. You're worshiping a false god. You're literally worshiping the other person through your actions, through your behaviors. So, number one, recognize when somebody's trying to control you. Number two, say this isn't going to work on me. And number three, write this down, redefine the relationship. Sit down with them. And say, here's how this is going to work from now on. Peter's failed attempt at manipulation. Uh, right after that, Jesus reframed things for Peter and the rest of his disciples. Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Then Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, that was the... Uh, ancient equivalent of picking up your electric chair. Take up this symbol of capital punishment. You've got to hate yourself so much, he's kind of saying, that you've got to be willing to die. Lay down your life. To follow me. If you're going to follow Christ, you've got to deny yourself. You're not the king. You're not in charge. Don't try to manipulate me, Jesus is saying. You've got to take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world? If he gets everything he wants from manipulation, for example yet forfeits his own soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is saying this to Peter shortly after this whole manipulative conversation happened. He's reframing the relationship. Jesus said, don't attempt to manipulate me. Your life will be more fulfilling if you quit trying to have your own way all the time. Only one creature in existence is right all the time. God, the Lord. So who should we listen to all the time? It just makes sense. It just makes sense. When we follow his precepts, when we listen to his principles, when we do what he wants us to do, when we live the way that he wants us to live, rather than manipulating things for our own agendas, our own wants, our own desires, it's always better. So here are some ways that maybe you could reframe the conversation or reframe and redefine the relationship with the manipulator in your life. Are you really happy with our relationship as it is? You could ask them that. 
And then if they're like, oh, yeah, it's perfect. You give me everything I want. Then you say, well, I'm not happy with it. And they start to explain why. Maybe you could say something like this. Our relationship is just not going to work like this anymore. There has to be real give and take. Maybe you'll have to say something like, we're going to have to take a step back until you can recognize that you have manipulative tendencies and then let's move forward. Maybe you need to say to this person, hey, let's go get some counseling together. Do you know that's not even a bad idea with friends? It's not unheard of for two people who've been friends for a long time but are having a problem to go get counseling together because they recognize, I want this relationship to last. I want this relationship to last because it's mattered for years and I don't want it to just be flushed away. If not counseling, sit down with another third party who is, uh, uh, doesn't have as much vested interest in the whole thing and you know, doesn't, isn't going to pick sides and say, what do you think? How can we move forward with this? But you have to redefine the relationship. And through all of that, your attitude must be that of Galatians 1 verse 10 where the Apostle Paul says, obviously, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. No, I am, a, uh, no, I am trying to please God. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. When Paul says he's a servant of Christ there, the word servant in Greek is the Greek word doulos. And uh, what doulos means is a bond servant. He, this person is, has chosen to bond themselves, bind themselves to this slave owner. Now, that sounds crazy. Who would choose to be a slave? In that day and age, it was actually very common. Because if you chose to be someone's slave, if it was a good master and you chose to be that person's slave, then you would have a home, you would have all your needs met, you'd have stuff, something significant that you could do every day to work and to, to serve the master. And so Paul uses this visual illustration that the people of his day completely understood because slavery was rampant throughout the Roman Empire. They knew exactly what this meant. A doulos is a bond servant a person who has chosen to go back into slavery instead of choosing to be free. So when we follow Christ, we're making a decision. I'm choosing Jesus, you, over everything else. So I'm not going to be a people pleaser. I'm only going to try and please God. If I were still trying to please everybody else, I wouldn't be your bond servant, Lord. I wouldn't be your bond slave. Jesus is the good master who will treat you with love and kindness and gentleness. Manipulators are bad masters. And you're a slave to them if you're letting them control now let's shift gears for just a second. I want to talk to manipulators for a minute. If you're a manipulator, here's some advice for you. I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. So you might want to jot some of these things down. First of all, controlling people is wrong. It is just wrong to control people. 
Matthew 5, 37, just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get, you your, your, to get your own way, you go wrong. Ultimately, you're setting yourself up for failure when you manipulate. When you try to manipulate other people, you're setting yourself up for failure. Proverbs 12, 2 says, a good person obtains favor from the Lord, but the Lord condemns everyone who schemes. Your manipulative scheming is going to get you in trouble. More advice for manipulators. You're living in fear, not in faith. You're afraid you won't get your way, so you try to stack the deck in your favor. But Scripture tells us in Hebrews eleven six, without faith... It is impossible to please God. We are called as followers of Jesus to live lives of faith, to trust God, and that means to not manipulate other people. That's an act of faith when you don't manipulate someone. Another little bit of advice, a little nugget for manipulators, you're not really loving people. 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. Not an attractive sound. You're not really loving people when you manipulate them and control them. Another little bit of advice, you can be a master manipulator. You can get really good at it and still miss the point entirely. Matthew 16, 26, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Manipulation is a prison. It's a prison for the people you've been trying to manipulate and it is a prison for you if you are a manipulator. You need to be set free Today, Galatians 5.1 says, Christ has freed us so that we may enjoy the benefits of freedom. Therefore, be firm in this freedom and don't become slaves again. Isn't that interesting? That choosing to follow Christ is choosing to be a slave. And then what does he do? He turns around and frees us. That is a good master. That is a good master. That word there that we've translated slaves is dulia. It literally means bondage. has the same root word, deo, which is to bind, that we had in dulos, the word for bond slave. If you're going to be this kind of slave, you've got to choose to step into the bondage of Christ, and then he cuts you free from bondage. It's amazing how that works. When you're a slave to anybody but Christ, you are in bondage. But when you are a slave to Jesus, he sets you free. Whether you've been the victim of manipulation or whether you've been the instigator, today, bind yourself only to Jesus. And he will set you free. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the Invictus Church podcast. Be sure to tune in every week for more new content. 
We'd like to invite you to join us in person for our weekend worship services. To get more information about our meeting times and location, please visit us online at www.invictus.church. If this or any of our episodes have inspired you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus, please let us know by sending us a note at info at invictus.church. We would love to hear how our message has helped change your life. Also, if our podcast has been meaningful for you and you'd like to give financially to our ministry, you can easily make your contribution online at www.invictus.church. Thanks one more time for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week.